0: Hi, welcome to Max and Murphy.
1: How are you, gentlemen? The best political show that has a
0: sports talk show name. <laughs> That's what we're going for. Thanks for, thanks for getting our marketing.
2: Fool people into tuning in, and then they get their politics thinking they're there coming for sports. How are you doing?
1: I'm well, I'm well, gentlemen. How are you?
2: Good, good, good. So do you want to uh, give our listeners um, your sort of elevator pitch about uh, who you are and why you're running for for governor? Um, You know, folks who've listened to our before we came on the radio here at WBAI, our our previous version of the podcast heard you perhaps on there. But uh, that was when you were still deliberating whether to run. And now you're in it. So um, who are you and, and why are you running?
1: Sure. So, as you guys said, I'm Stephanie Minor. I am the former two-term mayor of the city of Syracuse, which is the fifth-largest city in the state of New York. And I have decided to run as an independent under the Serve America movement, the SAM line, which will be line number nine, because I just have uh, gotten tired of a state government that is corrupt wasteful and not solving any problems and I felt that the way to really address that was to do it from the outside, to shock the system if you will and to talk about uh, issues and elevate people and solutions over partisanship and I think we in New York State uh, can see firsthand we pay the highest tax burdens in the country and yet our infrastructure is crumbling around us it is unconscionable to me that we have a subway transit system that is crumbling around us and yet the uh, Andrew Cuomo has not been held to account to come up with a real solution for that. At the same time, we've had leader after leader uh, get indicted and and sentenced, and yet we've seen uh, the majority party be silent about that. At the same time, they want to yell hypocrisy at the Republicans for being silent about Trump's Trump's acts that are unethical. So I just think we have to really focus uh, our state back again on solving problems, elevating people over partisanship because it is doing a disservice to all New
0: Yorkers. You were, until declaring yourself uh, the candidate of this party, a, a lifelong Democrat. You were once a, a high party official in the state. And so I wonder, is are, are you still a Democrat at heart? Do you still feel like ideologically you are aligned with the mainstream of that party? Or does this shift to this a new line suggest some broader transformation of your outlook on, on policy and, and politics?
1: Well, you know, Jarrett, what I would say to you is that I became a Democrat because I believed in innovative public policy and fiscal responsibility and um, also just being a a socially liberal. But what I found is that in New York State and in our political climate, we have – elevated partisanship. So now it's no longer about ideas or policy or programs. It's about following the dictates of the party leadership. So if somebody is a Republican, you automatically are told they're bad, their ideas are bad. And if somebody is a Democrat, you're told, well, their ideas are okay. Um, And I think we in this country for 200 years uh, really worked together at solving problems and understanding that you have to have a civil dialogue, fact-based uh, to solve problems. And you are not going to be able to move our state or our communities forward if we just stop listening to each other. So that's a very long way of saying uh, that I am still a registered Democrat, um, but there is no room in Andrew Cuomo's Democratic Party for somebody like me. And I'll, I'll give you another example. There, the, Andrew Cuomo is talking about the uh, nomination of Kavanaugh and how there sh- the FBI should investigate and how terrible it is. And and yet there is a huge issue in Albany about sexual harassment and the culture there. And there is a group of people who've been saying we need to have hearings about this. And Andrew Cromwell refuses to support that. So, if you say that you believe in uh, the Me Too movement and making equality uh, more, uh, bringing equality to everyone, you can't just say it. Just I'm going to cast aspersions at Washington and not at Albany. We have to have standards. That are elevated above what your party label or registration is.
2: And I guess the one of the natural follow-ups to that is when we last spoke, you were you were deciding about what to do. As I said, why not jump into the primary and try to talk to the disaffected Democrats and defeat Governor Cuomo that way? What was the what was the calculation there? Um, in you know, I heard you say there's no room for you in Andrew Cuomo's Democratic Party. Well, what about trying to make it Stephanie Miner's Democratic Party?
1: Well, I think there's two things. Philosophically, uh, I just felt like there we needed to have a broader appeal. And practically, the Albany leadership has done such a terrific job at making it very difficult to vote in, to vote, period, but in a primary in particular. And this came, to, you know, I really came to me when I watched in 2016 all of these young people get ve- very energized about Bernie Sanders and bringing all of that energy they and they were shut out from voting in the primary. Now, I was a Hillary Clinton supporter, but as somebody who wants more people active in the system, what I realized is that when you do that, when you make it hard to vote, you are turning off all of this energy and people that can make our democracy stronger and better and our public policy better. And there are more non-enrolled and more independents uh, in this state than there are actually uh, Republicans. We need to bring everybody together and the way uh, that you have to register as a Democrat 18 months before the election, that's just purposely shutting out people so that somebody like Andrew Cuomo can spend $25 million on a very limited group of people to try to convince them to vote and then say, okay, the election's over. Well, what about all the independents in Buffalo, or the non-enrolled in Ithaca, or the people in Nassau County um, who are Republicans. They deserve to have a campaign with ideas and public policy that's aimed at them, too, not just because they're not registered Democrats.
0: One policy issue where some of the partisanship and polarization is most intense in New York State and elsewhere is guns. And I wonder what you think of Governor Cuomo's record there. He's very proud of the SAFE Act, He's very proud of his public campaign against the NRA. His critics believe that both are overreaches. How do you evaluate his record? And if you were elected governor, what, if anything, would you do to change one way or the other uh, the gun laws we have?
1: So what I would tell you is I I, uh, supported the SAFE Act. And as a mayor of a city, I saw every day the kind of... uh, Violence that rips through when you don't have control of guns, which we don't in this country. But the Second Amendment um, is a factor in which we all have to recognize. We have to work around the problem that I saw with uh, Andrew Cuomo's Safe Act was that he, you know, it was voted on under dark of night, and people who considered themselves uh, pro-Second Amendment people were not allowed to debate were not listened to, and it created this huge gulf chasm in this state and if we truly want to solve issues like violence in our schools and in our community and make sure that guns don't fall into the hands of the wrong people we have to have communications between everyone we can't just shut people out and particularly upstate uh i have seen this firsthand because people felt like the safe like the andrew cuomo and the way he handled the safe act was saying to them that they didn't have a role a voice in their government. And that is incredibly destructive um, to uh, our state and how we have to move forward.
2: So are there any policies that you'd look to alter on that front? Is there, I mean, is there anything specific that you would look to do?
1: Well, look, the, the SAFE Act put into place a whole number of uh, a whole number of requirements which the state has failed to act. Some because people said that they, you know, they didn't do enough research uh, in how they put it together. There was a registry that I don't think has put into effect. There were also discussions about the cartridges. And the point is that uh, we need to make sure that we keep guns out of the hands of mentally ill and people who are dangerous. And we need to, in order to do that, we. We need to have communication with everyone, even pro-gun people. And I'll give you an example. Just outside of Syracuse, uh, around Christmas last year, uh, a young man walked into a gun shop and started asking questions, and the gun shop owner thought he was acting very peculiar. And he called the sheriff and he said to the sheriff, look, there's just this this guy is strange and there's something going on here. And the sheriff went and uh, ran it down and found out that this young man was planning on having a mass shooting. Because that gun shop owner felt he had a responsibility and was part of a community, he reached out and he stopped that mass shooting. If we say to people, uh, you don't belong in the public debate because of one position that you you have. We're doing a disservice to all of us. We need everybody to participate in order to solve the the issue that is gun violence in particular.
0: You're listening to Max and Murphy on WBAI 99.5 FM. We're on with Stephanie Minor, candidate for governor. And if you want to call and ask her a question, our number is 347-335-0818. Uh, Ms. Minor, uh, the housing crisis is something we talk about a lot on the show. You hear about it almost anything you report here in the city. And on your campaign website, you declare that rent regulations, alone are not enough. If they're not, what does the state need to address the housing crisis?
1: Well, the first thing I think we need to do is we need to address the homeless crisis. And we have to make sure that we're keeping people in their homes uh, and not either inadvertently or uh, indirectly adding more to the homeless population. The way that the state does housing vouchers uh, needs to change, and I've supported Andrew Hevesy's uh, home support system so that we can give people a more uh, regulated uh, revenues and um, vouchers for their housing. We also have to look at, we have, there's been a huge revolution in data and technology. If we can apply those algorithms and that data, we can start to look at which landlords are acting inappropriately or unprofessionally, which ones are trying to circumvent the rules so that we can make sure that we're not having housing uh, come off the rent-controlled rolls uh, because of greedy landlords.
2: Anything uh, I think on your on your to pick up on what Jared was mentioning. I think on your website um, you you speak a little bit about uh, stimulating the market. Is there something specific you want to do to get more housing built, especially affordable housing?
1: Well, part of this is look. We have to recognize that we used to uh, be able to say, well, the federal government was going to c- come in and help us through partnerships with HUD and other home programs. Given the change in in, uh, political philosophy, if you will, and Donald Trump's uh, administration, that's not going to happen. So what we need to do is start looking at different types of solutions. So, for example, where is land that is owned by governments that we could then incent developers to build um, affordable housing on? How can we make sure that the incentives that we already have in place actually work and work to maximize the uh, amount of potential possible for
2: affordable housing. Let me ask you, uh, we we jumped into some of the weeds here and we got a little bit of your overview of how you want to approach governing if elected, but what are some of the big ideas that you're putting to the forefront? We kind of asked you about a couple of issues that we wanted to get your take on, but what are you running on other than an approach to government? Are there specific proposals that you want people to hear?
1: Yes. So first and foremost, uh, we want to eliminate all of the economic development programs and bureaucracy that exist because they exist for no other reason than to pick winners and losers and sort of reward campaign contributors. And I'll give you an example. The luxury luggage manufacturer away, uh, was given a very generous tax benefit to move four blocks down Lafayette Street in Manhattan. That makes no sense. Why would we do that? Uh, uh, there are huge programs upstate where millions, if not billions of dollars, have been given to developers uh, to create nanotechnology that have gone nowhere and have uh, been abject failures. Let's take that money, and instead of uh, investing it in these failed programs that have not stimulated the economy, and invest in infrastructure. So roads and bridges and the MTA. The MTA, uh, first and foremost, we have to say, look... If we want to continue to have a growing economy in New York City, and that uh, includes New York State as well, we have to make sure that the MTA functions. So we have to fire all of the board members uh, on there uh, who are appointed by the governor because they just haven't met their responsibilities. Appoint board members who have expertise in the areas of transit, financing, engineering, and construction. Agree to a list of priorities with the um, other board members. Make that very public and open. Give the first tranche of the fast-forward money. And then say, you have to meet these benchmarks. And if you meet these benchmarks, then we can move forward and talk about the next level, the second level of fast-forward, talk about uh, putting congestion pricing and other revenues. But the MTA, it's not just a lack of money. It's a lack of management. We have to incent the MTA to manage so that we don't have the most expensive mile of subway uh, being in uh, New York City, that we have to bring our costs in line with what other places in the world uh, have. I and think- then also, we have a very uh, robust proposal on ethics reform, so get rid of JCOPE, have a truly independent ethics board that has the, uh, has the ability to discipline uh, and investigate um, people who work, uh, you know, state, state leaders, elected leaders, and appointed leaders, um, and make it easier to vote in New York State. Truly have independent redistricting, early voting, vote, uh, vote by mail.
0: We have a call for Stephanie Miner. Hello, you're on WBAI. What's your question?
1: Hi, um, I just wanted to know, um, how can I support someone like you?
2: (laughs) Simple question.
1: (laughs) Well, look, I think if you uh, believe that um, the government should be... should be solving problems and doing it and talking to people in a civilized way, uh, and that we should not have, uh, we should not normalize these ethical problems uh, and issues uh, that we see in New York State, then uh, I'm a person that you could support. I've been a mayor for two terms. I have executive experience. I have a record of accomplishment on infrastructure, on education, but I'm also somebody who is deeply dissatisfied with the status quo and thinks that if we continue to do things the way that we always have done, that our problems are only going to get worse. As I said, we pay the highest taxes in the country and yet everywhere you look, our systems are crumbling, whether that's the MTA and the subway, whether that's affordable housing, uh, whether that's education attainment rates, whether that's the cost of health care, ethical government. its This current system is not working and in order for it to work, we need to have a radical change and that's what I promise to bring.
0: Speaking of you <laughs> corruption and the electoral system itself, some of the reforms people have talked about include uh, ending the LLC loophole, and, and I believe you call for that. Some folks also pair that with um, a larger change, which is moving toward a public financing system for campaigns in New York State. Do you support public financing?
1: I do, and I will tell you that the uh, I do not uh, accept LLC contributions because I think they're corrosive to our system, uh, and and when you have the ability to give an anonymous campaign contributions like uh, exists in New York State, what you see is a system that works for campaign contributors and not people. But in order for us to truly be able to welcome everybody into our system, we have to change uh, our campaign finance laws because having people going around uh, begging for money while other people are manipulating their uh, governmental offices to be able to uh, get really rich campaign contributions. It's just not working for our state. People are disgusted uh, with the democracy, and uh, we need to change that in order to have a richer, uh, vital democracy and include everybody in the process.
2: So, uh, Mayor Minor, we're in our last few minutes here, but a couple last questions. Um, What are the what's the path to victory here? I mean, how do you how do you lay out sort of how you get from launching this new ballot line, deciding fairly late in the process to jump into the race, um, needing to obviously raise some money and raise awareness about your run? How do you get from there to taking uh, out Governor Cuomo, defeating the Republican candidate Mark Molinaro, who've both been at this quite a while and have such major party infrastructure uh, behind them?
1: Look, it's an audacious challenge, no doubt, but it's, you know, it's one that's worth it in that if you have, if you believe that we shouldn't have a government that has uh, people getting sentenced every month, uh, when you have a judge who says even Pollyanna couldn't believe uh, that public policy is being drafted for the public in Albany, that it's a a wash in money, that you're dissatisfied with a system that doesn't hold elected officials accountable for a crumbling mta system uh, a crisis of affordability uh, downstate and a crisis of opportunity upstate then you have to take a risk and you have to say this is what i believe in and this is where we're going to put our stake in the ground and i'm convinced that there are l- lots of new yorkers who are deeply dissatisfied with the status quo and that's those are the people that i'm appealing to i'm asking for their support and saying yeah it's a risk but you know what Risks in life are worth taking if you believe in them.
2: Okay, so in our last minute or so here, we're going to go to one more caller for you. Hi, you're on WBAI with Mayor Miner. What's your question? Hi, my name is Don. I'm
1: calling. I'm a medical doctor calling from Manhattan. I'd like to know, uh, what is what is stand on New York Health on a single-payer um, um, bill that was passed the Assembly for the last sessions and uh, 31 out of the 32 votes to pass in the state
2: senate. Okay, the New York Health Act, the single-payer bill, what's your stance?
1: Hi, Don. Thank you for that question. I think that that's a, an important question which highlights part of what I have been talking about in this call, that I am for single payer on a federal level. Before we can talk about it on a state level, we really have to look at the cost because there is no such thing as free health care. Uh, and as a mayor, I had to pay health care bills and i saw them go up 20 and 30 percent virtually every year so we need to have a discussion about how we're going to afford to pay for it um, and if it's feasible again we pay the highest taxes already in the country so before we before i can say yes i support this i want to look at the cost benefit analysis and truly dig into the numbers to see if it's something that we in the state can afford
0: So a final question, Mayor Minor. I'm curious, uh, you know, you are a a third-party candidate in a race where there are two major party candidates, Governor Cuomo, who you've talked about, uh, Dutchess County Exec Mark Marlenaro on the Republican side. It's possible that when the math is done on Election Day, if you don't win, you might be credited with swinging the state Republican. You might take votes away from your former party colleague, Andrew Cuomo. If that happens, will you accept sort of the judgment of history at having helped to elect a Republican governor? Or is that is that something for voters to think about?
1: Look, I, I think that voters are smart enough to make these decisions on their own. They want choices, and they don't want to have the uh, constantly be forced into the lesser of two evils. Uh, and that's uh, and I think that that's healthy for democracy, and it's healthy for all of us to have choices. And I will also tell you that I think that the system is pretty spoiled as it is right now. We're not seeing problems being solved. Uh, Money is being wasted. Corruption is rampant. If we want to make a change, then we have to really change the system.
2: Well, I think we're going to have to leave it there with Stephanie Miner, former mayor of Syracuse, running for governor on the Serve America party line. Thanks so much for joining us. Good luck on the campaign trail. Maybe we'll chat with you again before election day.
0: Thanks, gentlemen. Have a good day. Thank you. So now, listeners, in the past two weeks, if you've been scoring at home, you've heard from three of the people running for governor, Mark Molinaro, Stephanie Miner, and just before her today, Howie Hawkins. Obviously, some very different visions of the state, um, different policy priorities, some overlap in different places, some overlap in their critique of Governor Cuomo.
2: Here's one of the interesting things, of course, about our system right now, and this goes to the question, of course, of campaign fundraising, is someone like Stephanie Miner, who seems to obviously be a very – Interesting candidate to some voters who might be looking to get away from one party or the other. You know, she spoke about the fact that there's just about as many unaffiliated registered voters as there are Republican registered voters in this state. Uh, But can she really get her message out across a state this big and this vast without a lot of money? And I just don't know that that that's she's going to be able to do that. She's obviously doing lots of interviews like this, which help her. Um, But she gave herself a short timeline, as I indicated in one of those questions, and I just don't know if she can have the impact uh, she might want without a sort of public campaign finance system.
0: Exactly. And some of the ancillary benefits of such a system, one of the things that the city's campaign finance system, which does involve some public financing has, is mandatory debates. Ah, And that is something that we don't have. Howie Hawkins mentioned that the fact that, um, as was the case in the primary election this year, the debate very much depended on the whims of the Cuomo campaign when they wanted to do it under the ground rules that they set. Uh, If uh, something like that were to be circumvented by a state finance system that said you had to have a debate if you're receiving public money, um, that could be a benefit.
2: You know, that's an interesting element of the discussion. And Governor Cuomo has said for a long time he's for a public campaign finance system, for closing the LLC loophole, et cetera. We may see him actually have a real shot at backing that up if there's a Democratic state senate and he's reelected and and we'll see what happens. But the the question of mandatory statewide debates, I haven't really heard talked about. And, of course, it should be part of that discussion. I have a very hard time – Seeing Governor Cuomo not agree to at least one debate with all the candidates on the stage, as Hawkins said, that's what he's done the last two cycles. You never know with Governor Cuomo, but I think voters should at least demand and look for one debate among the candidates
0: so we are nearing the end of our time for this week we'll be back next wednesday at five talking about more campaign issues 40 days left of the general election obviously the news watch continues on our websites gothamgazette.com and city but you've been listening to max and murphy on wbai 99.5 listener sponsored non-commercial radio thanks for listening join us next week mm-hmm.
3: Hi, this is Nando Alvarici of Consabor Latino here on WBAI in New York, 99.5 FM. Please join us Sunday, November 18th at SOB's for WBAI's annual Salsa Explosion fundraiser. Performing in our benefit fundraiser are world-class musicians such as Johnny Dandy Rodriguez and his Dream Team, Bobby Allende and Ocho y Más, Charanga Pachá, Anthony Carrillo, Amy Millán and Jambawa, Luisito Quintero, Robert Quintero and Salsa Project. We will also present Consabor Latino Lifetime Achievement Awards to Martin Cohen, Ray Santos, Jose Mangual Sr., and Johnny Dandy Rodriguez. Again, this is all happening Sunday, November 18th from 5 to 10 p.m. at SOB's 204 Varick Street. For more information, 212-243-4940.
4: New York's primary is over with sweeping wins for progressives who defeated Democratic candidates who caucused with Republicans. Now WBAI is holding our own election for members of our local station board. And the excitement is building. If you want to run for a seat on the board, your membership needs to be current by making a pledge of at least $25 by Monday, October 1st. Call 516-620-3602, 516-620-3602. to pledge and then go to our website and look under WBAI local station board election for what to do next. Listener sponsored non-commercial WBAI needs to breathe new life onto our board. Please think about running. Again, go to WBAI.org for more information and thank you. Congressmember Nidia Velasquez from Brooklyn spoke out at the New York City Stands with Survivors Rally at City Hall. Senator
3: Mitch McConnell, Senator Grassley, do you see us? Because we see you, we hear you, and we don't believe you. We have reached a tipping point. Point in American culture. For too long, women everywhere have been silent about the abuses they suffer regularly. No longer will men in power from Wall Street to the state legislatures to Congress to Yes, our courts be given a pass when they engage in harassment or abuse or assault. This is listener-sponsored
4: WBAI New York.
2: It's a very unusual time for reporters, and I've been reporting here for 30 years. I've never seen anything quite like this. And so, you know, we're kind of taking it day by day.
3: Covering Trump was going to be a real problem because he basically controlled what was written about him and said about him on TV very effectively because he understood how to manipulate journalists, how to plant stories with journalists who care about a good story. They don't care about the facts.
1: There are many, many ways to have sound immigration policies that don't involve escapable entire segments of the world, entire countries, entire religions.
2: Hi, I'm Jesse Lent, the host of Trump Watch on WBAI. Each week on the show, we take a deep dive on one specific aspect of the Donald Trump administration by speaking with journalists, academics, and activists on the front lines of covering this unprecedented presidency. Join me Wednesday nights at 6:30 for Trump Watch on WBAI 99.5 FM, Pacifica Radio New York.
4: You're tuned to listener-sponsored non-commercial Pacifica Radio. This is WBAI New York. In advance of a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing into sexual assault allegations by Dr. Christine Blasey against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, supporters gathered in Manhattan in a rally on the steps of City Hall. Organizers, which include Girls for Gender Equity, the New York Alliance Against Sexual Assault, the YWCA of Brooklyn, the Women's Commission on Human Rights, and...